Good to see everyone out today, and Brother Corey, thank you so much. Appreciate the, uh, the song service, appreciate the songs very, very much. Very uplifting to Susan and her helpers. Uh, fabulous job last night. I, uh, I guess you might say I crashed uh, the party, and we had a wonderful time. Appreciate all the work that the ladies put in on that. If you're visiting for the first time or if you're new, we, we welcome you and we appreciate you being here. We'd ask that you stay after services for a few minutes and let us to, to get to know you and meet you for a, few, a couple of minutes. <clears throat> this morning I'd like to talk about a, a topic that's very close to, to my heart, something that's extremely important, and that's about raising children, godly children. If you want the cliff notes or the abbreviated uh, portion of this, I would simply say, be a parent. Be a parent. But it's not quite that simple, is it? Oh, Brother Marcus, I meant to thank you. You helped me out, and, and I appreciate that very much. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? So thank you very much, uh, uh, Brother Mason. Um, so, talking about being a parent, we know that it's really not the easiest thing that we do. In fact, there's just not a lot of easy things about it, is there? The hardest thing that you'll ever do, but it's the most rewarding thing that you'll ever do. We've heard that before, haven't we? <clears throat> Most of you know that I spent my career in education the last 14 years, I was an assistant principal. I was, I was at the high school for a couple of years, and then I was at the intermediate school for 12 years, and I really enjoyed my time there. But a couple of years ago, I had a phone call that kind of went like this. I was making the phone call. I said, uh, good morning, Mom, this is the school calling. This is Mr. Fisher in the office, and I've got your daughter, Lindsay, here with me. I said, apparently she had her cell phone out in, in reading class today. The teacher asked her to put it away and continued on with the lesson. You see, she wasn't supposed to have it out. Well, a few minutes later, the teacher, Miss Wallace, she noticed that Lindsay had her cell phone out again and this time she was busy texting and doing something. She was, she was doing something on it. She was hard at it. So she reminded Lindsay to put away the phone. And your daughter told her no. She was busy. Well, Miss Wallace told her to bring the phone to her. And your daughter ignored her and refused. So instead of letting this continue, she ended up sending Lindsay to the office, and now I have her cell phone. And about that time, Lindsay speaks up, and she says, Let me talk to my mother. And I said, Mom, would you like to talk with your daughter? Mm-hmm. So I handed the phone to Lindsay. And Lindsay began to yell at her mother. She needed her mother to get up to school right now and get my phone back. 
I couldn't believe it. Well, I couldn't believe the way she spoke to the teacher in the classroom. And then I couldn't believe the way she was speaking to her mother. You know, kids having cell phones out in school, that's just just kind of what happens ever since, you know, cell phones came around. And so there's rules on, on how they're able or, or, or allowed, what they're allowed to do with the cell phones. Oh, did I tell you that she was in fifth grade? All of this was from a fifth grader. I might go ahead and add at this point that it was a year later that that same mom was in my office again. And this time she was withdrawing her daughter because, you see, her daughter had inappropriate pictures of herself on the phone and she was showing those to people at school. And uh, I just expelled her to alternative school and her mom wasn't going to have that. So she withdrew her and they began homeschooling her from that point on. What has happened in recent generations to introduce some bad, bold changes in children? Why are kids more demanding, entitled, prone to attention problems, and emotional fragile than they were in previous generations? Why is that? I know what we first say. We say, well, COVID. COVID happened. And, And I get it. I get it. But the story I just relayed to you happened in 2018, pre-COVID. You know, kids are often exerting their voices loudly while their parents are questioning their own voice. For many parents, they've lost their way. <clears throat> I was speaking at a, <clears throat> at a parent school event. One evening, we'd been talking about problems associated and dangers associated with social media. And uh, it was kind of like an awareness program. And our counselor, Miss Chapman, had put this together and she had a lot of information. We had a guest speaker come in and the parents really seemed to appreciate getting this information. And at one point, I, I did address the parents and I talked with them a little bit. Uh, you know, we talked about Facebook and Twitter and uh, YouTube and all the different things, Snapchat. Um, in fact, there's an there's a app called Whisper, which people confess things anonymously, and your kids can get on and see all the confessions. There's another one. I can't even pronounce it. Omegle? Anyway, it's a video chatting app. That allows two parties to indulge in a video chat while being anonymous. The user is addressed as you, while the other person is addressed as a stranger. So your kids can get on there and talk with strangers. They don't even know who they are. Now maybe they're someone their age. Maybe it's someone a lot older. There's no way to know. So we talked about things like this during the presentation and And then I gave the parents an action item. I told parents, I said, you need to collect your child's cell phone at night. Before they go to bed, you need to collect their devices every night. That seemed pretty simple. Kind of seemed easy, didn't it? Parents, don't let your kids keep their cell phone overnight. 
There's a couple of things going on. Two huge glaring problems with this. Your child has access to the internet unsupervised. But secondly, and this might even be worse, all through the evening, they're going to receive messages and notifications and texts, and their phone's going to either beep or ring or just light up all night long. And what do they do? Well, a lot of times they pick it up, and they get on the phone. They might spend an hour on the phone. They might spend a minute on the phone, and they put it back down. But they do that all night long. Now, just think about the type of rest that's being interrupted. Think about how hard it is to get kids up in the morning to go to school. Teachers in the audience, you know how students sleep during the whole through class. Sleep through reading class, math class, whatever class you have, they're sleeping. They don't need to be sleeping at school. After this little presentation, a mother came up to me and she said, Mr. Fisher, I'd like to see you try to take my son's cell phone away. And I responded, well, you're the parent. You're in charge, aren't you? You're supposed to be in charge, is what I said. She said, I guess you've forgotten my son's temper. So I talked with her a little bit about that and about setting expectations, but you know what? It didn't matter what I said. There was nothing I said to her that mattered. She had an excuse for everything. She had an excuse why it couldn't work. It wouldn't work. And I'll tell you this, next year her child was caught looking up male pornography on his phone during the school hours, and he was sent to alternative school as well. He was in sixth grade. Some parents need to rethink their whole parenting philosophy. While some, we just need a voice of encouragement to affirm what we're doing. Good parenting today often runs against the grain of cultural norms. And sometimes we need to know that we're not alone in order to persist on. Common sense can be overshadowed by compassion. Children mostly need wisdom and guidance from their parents. They do not need pity indulgence or leniency you know I've certainly felt lost as a parent I've felt overwhelmed at times we all have but guess what moms and dads you have been promoted you're about to move from a lower position to a higher position You are the leader of your home simply by being who you are. You don't have to pass the class. You don't have to take a course. You don't have to obtain perfection or be born with a certain pedigree. You are the parent of your child. And that makes you, by virtue, automatically one deserving of honor and respect. So, number one, you've got to believe that. You've got to believe that you're deserving of that honor and respect. And then you've got to convince your kids of that. Sometimes that's not a small task. Someone once said, the toughest thing about raising kids is convincing them you have seniority. You know how persistent a child can be? They kind of wear us down, right? And you know how parents, sometimes we lack conviction or lack consistency? Yeah. So when you add those two 
things together, that's a recipe for disaster or for ruin. It's all too easy to slide into a pattern that leaves you taking orders from your kids instead of the other way around. Many parents are more comfortable being buddies with their kids than being a pack leader. And that friend-to-friend relationship can feel a lot more comfortable than exercising authority. But you know what? Children need leaders at home, not a tall friend. Rebellion grows when authority is absent. When parents give up their control, mutiny or bad behavior certainly follows. I like what Zig Ziglar says here. Failure is an event. It's not a person. It's not a parent. It's an event. We will fall down as parents, but we've got to continue to brush ourselves off, learn from our mistakes, and rise up and continue to go. Rising also means to exert oneself to meet a challenge. And parenting is one of the most challenging endeavors that you're ever going to have. But with God, hope abounds. The good news As long as your children are under your roof, you have time to influence, to leverage the power of good parenting. You can raise godly kids in a godless culture. Parenting is filled with first and last. Some bring laughter, others bring tears. Your child's first steps, the first tooth lost, the first report card, the last time you watch your child play soccer or football, Or lacrosse. Last time you watch them in the band. In the choir. The last father-daughter dance. The last day you drive your child to school. Each day counts. Let's begin this journey of rising up to meet the challenges ahead. It's time for parents to find their way back. So we'll talk a little bit about that today. So... What's it like being a parent and raising God-honoring children? It begins with, you guessed it, love. Love. We can have a lot of things in our home, but when we're missing love, there's a problem, right? Proverbs 15, verse 17. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fatted ox and hatred with it. You know, the presence of love makes up for a lot of things. We can live on a diet that's not very good for us or not very strong, but we can never flourish without love. You might enjoy steak dinners every night, but hatred it will spoil any good filet. Nothing really makes up for a lack of love. Troubled children come from homes where love is lacking. Not money, but love. Had a boy in school. He struggled. Struggled with his behavior and with his outbursts all the time. The boy's name was Matthew. Matthew was a good kid until he wasn't a good kid. When he wasn't a good kid, I mean, it was rough. Matthew, he knew his mom, but he didn't live with mom. He lived with mom's ex-boyfriend. They didn't know who dad was. But he, he was being raised by mom's ex-boyfriend. Mom was gone and the ex-boyfriend was doing it out of 
duty. The, the, the ex-boyfriend, he owned a, uh, a car accessory shop in town. There was plenty of money in the family, but there just wasn't a lot of love. And the boy had a lot of anger built up. Proverbs 17, verse 1. Better is a dry morsel with quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. It says, better is a dry morsel. So what's a dry morsel? Well, just something that's not really great to eat, I guess. I think about a, a, a crusty old dried up piece of cornbread. A dry mor- that's all you've got to eat today. Is one little piece of dried up crusty old cornbread, and that's it. It says it's better to eat that with peace, with quiet, than to be in a house that's full of food, full of feasting, where there's strife. Where there's peace and tranquility in a family, material things matter very little. My favorite teacher, Miss Crowden, she would work with Matthew. She would help him work through his anger and his difficulties. She was able to get the best things out of that boy. I said a while ago that children mostly need wisdom and guidance from their parents instead of pity or leniency. We do need to be wise with punishment. Punishment, if used properly, it is a demonstration of true love. Proverbs 13, verse 24. He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. You know, if we're smart, moms and dads, we're going to use a variety of discipline techniques. But here, we need to be diligent to discipline. So parents, we're being called out. That's a responsibility that we have to have. We've got to be diligent, consistent, or being attentive to this matter. You know, proper discipline, it has proper objectives. Now, I'm going to give you three of them right now. Three reasons to discipline. Number one, to remove foolishness. Number two, to save their soul. And number three, avoid being shameful. Number one. Proverbs 22, verse 15. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. We have a moral problem. Our children have a moral problem, and it's described here as foolishness. And it's bound up in the heart of a child. You know, it's evidence that just by the fact our children will naturally sin... Without us teaching them. What we've got to do is we've got to teach them not to sin. Sinning is naturally inherited all the way from the beginning. Mothers and fathers, do not underestimate the difficulty of this task. You see, we must both tear down and build up to remove the foolishness. Kind of like boot camp. You tear down and then build up. Note... What is being spoken about is foolishness, and that's not childless. childishness. It's different. A child is a child. We don't punish a child for being a child, but we do punish a child for foolishness. 
The rod of correction will drive it far from him. Physical discipline is one important way that a child can be morally trained. When wisely and properly applied, physical correction can help drive away a child's foolishness. And then number two, we also discipline or we punish for this purpose. To save the soul of the child. Proverbs 23, verse 13 and 14. Withhold not correction from the child. For if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. And then the third reason we discipline is to impart wisdom and to avoid shame. Proverbs 29, verse 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. So discipline, it gives wisdom. And without it, it brings shame to the family. So in other words, warn them and punish them. Reproof, reprimand, scold, and give godly instruction. Proper discipline does bring about rewards. Proverbs 29, verse 17, Discipline your son, and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. So what's the rewards here? Rest and delight. A child who will love you and live in such a way as to bring you delight. What a blessing that is. For the rest of our time together this morning, I'm going to go through four helpful points about parenting. I thought that these, these four things really helped Becky and I in raising our boys. Number one is amusement is not the highest priority. Today's child is surrounded by addictive devices offering endless entertainment options like video games, uh, Vines, TikTok, YouTube, social media. Yet constant amusement, it reduces optimal brain function and it erodes character. Proverbs 25, verse 27 and 28. It is not good to eat much honey, so to seek one's own glory is not glory. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. So this passage here, he begins off and he says it's not good to eat honey, at least all the time. It's not good for you to get your way all the time. For kids to get their way all the time. And then number two, no rule over his own spirit. No rule or no self-control. It is good for us to have self-control over our actions, our thoughts, our words, our behavior. Boredom is the kryptonite of today's screen-driven child. Think about it. TV offers hundreds and hundreds of channels and exciting choices. Smartphones and tablets. They've got games and they've got more games. Even churches are setting up kid zones for the amusement of their youth groups. I remember years ago when Zach was still, I think he was in middle school, we talked with uh, some friends of ours. He went to school with, uh, with their daughter and we talked with them about coming and visiting La Prada. And, and the mom began asking me questions and then more questions about La Prada. 
But all her questions led to what type of what type of programs and amusement did we have for the kids? That's what she was interested in. Quite frankly, parents have given in to entertainment because the alternative, it takes more effort. But you know, this convenience comes at a very high cost and it can have a negatively impact your child's character for life. Think about it this way. A lot of you have gone to Disney World. We've, we've been a couple of times. Disney World's fun. And the average stay, I think, is about four, five, six days, something like that. I mean, we had a great time. Disney World's fun. But what if you lived at Disney World? What if you lived at Magic Kingdom every day? Would that fun stay that much fun every day? The law of diminishing marginal returns, it kicks in, doesn't it? It tells us that at some point, adding an additional factor of production, it results in smaller increases in output. What do you say? (laughs) Do you like M&Ms? I do. And I'll take and pour a handful of M&Ms and I'll just pop it in my mouth and, man, that's good. What if M&Ms is all you ate in one day? That's the only thing you ate. Would you get sick of it? Yeah, you probably get sick of it after about the third handful, right? Diminishing marginal, or the law of diminishing marginal returns. So it means each day at Disney World gets less and less fun. Kids are not meant to ride roller coasters all day long without stopping. Their brain doesn't require it. They don't need it. They don't desire that type of stimulation all day. So if amusing my child is not number one priority, then what should be the number one priority? (laughs) Well, there's a long list, isn't there? Raising God-honoring children. Teaching respect to your kids. Having good character, strong morals. Teach them to put the electronics down and to pick up a book. Teach them to love reading. Read with your child. Teach your child to work. Teach them to be productive members of society. Teach them to go to church. The ways of God are not always entertaining or amusing, but they bring everlasting life and true joy. Point number two of the morning. Parents, you call the shots. You're in charge. You call the shots. It's time to seek the balance between yesterday's overly strict parent and today's overly permissive parent. We've got to find somewhere right in the middle. Find a balance. Children are to obey parents, not the other way around. Exodus 20, verse 12. You remember Moses brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea. Well, he received the Ten Commandments. You know this story. The fifth commandment of the Ten Commandments is this. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Children, honor your parents. So the little girl, she crumpled to the floor, screaming and yelling. I want to leave right now. 
They were in front of the milk department, the dairy department at the store. She's laying there on the floor. The mom goes to pick her up. She's just, she just goes limp. And she keeps screaming, I want to go home right now. And then mom did it. She went there. Mom leaned down and she said in a soft, reassuring voice, Mama's going to buy you a present. Do you want a present? Come on, let's go get a present. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Now, she needs something. (laughs) It wasn't a present, right? She was rewarded for the fit throwing. Rewarded for the bad behavior. Parents, we've got to rise up. The family stands at a crossroads. We have a crisis in leadership. The problem is not our children. Children are children. A child's going to act like a child acts. But a parent has to work with that child, mold that child, teach that child, train that child. Again, don't blame everyone else. The truth of the matter is we've got the most power to shape our child's development. We've got more power than anyone else because they're in our care and they're in our home. Parents have the power of influence. Our children's development can be shaped and we're the ones who can do it. You know, that's very important for children to obey and honor their parents. So important that Paul, he talks about it in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You know, Paul is... He's talking about the same thing of the fifth commandment. Children, obey your parents. The command is simple. Children are to obey their parents. This not only means that the child has the responsibility to obey, but parents, we've got the responsibility to teach them to obey. Parents have the responsibility. One of the most important jobs for a parent. Again... Do nothing, and our kid figures out how to disobey all on their own. But obedience must be taught. Disobedience must be punished so that obedience can be learned. It says, in the Lord, for this is right. The apostle, he gives us two reasons for the child to obey the parent. They're to obey in the Lord. That means that's their part of Christian obedience, to obey. And the second It's simply because it's right. It's the right thing to do. It's right for the child to obey. What it means to honor our father and mother that may change as we grow into adulthood, but the principle always remains the same. The adult child does not owe the parent obedience, but they do owe them honor. We do owe them honor. When the bonds of a family life, when it break up, when respect for parents fail... The community becomes immoral or corrupt and it will not survive. There is no peace in that type of life. Respecting your parents is the basic function of how we treat our neighbors in our community relationships. If we don't honor our parents, then will we listen to the elders at church? If we don't honor our parents, will we abide by the laws of the land? Will we listen to those in authority? 
Verse 4. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Don't provoke them. You know, that was something that, that, that I had to work on all the time. And uh, it wasn't easy. Uh, a lot of times after I got on to the boys, my wife would pull me aside. And she'd say, you went a little bit overboard. Or maybe you went a lot overboard. Don't provoke them. That's something that we have to work on. Sometimes it's an unkind word. Sometimes it's being overly critical. And it torments the child instead of trains them. The Apostle Paul, he speaks against this kind of harsh parenting. When you're disciplining a child, you should first have control over yourself. Bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. This does not mean merely scolding your child. It means to train and to admonish. Encouragement and rebuke. They must be combined with training and teaching. Fathers, do not neglect this responsibility to teach and to be a spiritual example. It's not just mom's responsibility to be. It's the dad's responsibility to be that spiritual example. Proverbs 6 verse 23. For these commands are a lamp, this teaching is a light, and the corrections of discipline are the way to life. In Proverbs, discipline, it includes instruction, teaching, training, and correction. Teaching involves imparting knowledge. Here, he calls teaching a light. In corrections of discipline, they are a way to life. Proverbs 22, verse 6 Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Training involves all sorts of coaching and preparation. Correcting involves identifying errors and urging their removal. Proverbs 6, verse 23, corrective discipline is the way to life. Proverbs 10, 17, People who accept discipline are on the pathway to life, but those who ignore correction will go astray. Proverbs 15, 32, if you reject discipline, you will only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. So in application, parents, we don't discipline kids because we're angry. We do it because we're teaching, training, and correcting. So question, parents, why do you discipline? The answer is we discipline for our children's sake. It's for their sake. Proverbs 19, verse 18. Discipline your children while there is hope. Otherwise, you will ruin their lives. Those who love their children, they care enough to discipline them. Point number three of the morning. Routine and boundaries provide security. Children need parents to restrict their freedom. Do you hear what I just said? We don't give our, our kids freedom to do anything. Parents restrict their freedom and provide a healthy boundary instead of expanding it. Children thrive with routine and with boundaries. With structure and with consistency. So parents, you've got a variety of discipline methods at your fingertips, in your toolbox. 
I would say don't just use one all the time. Positive reinforcement. Celebrate your child's successes and rebuke their mistakes. Time out. A long time ago it was called stand in the corner. Corporal punishment or spanking. Grounding them or loss of privileges. Take away the TV. Take away the cell phone. Take away the gaming systems. Internet. Playtime. Computer privileges. Find out what your child's most important thing is and then take that away from them. That's what we've got to do. I'll tell you a story about that in just a moment. And parents, we've got to work smarter, not harder. And I love what this parent did. I love it. So it looks like the parent got up and she left. Maybe she went grocery shopping. Maybe she went uh, uh, to the mall or went to work. And she left a note for her kids. The note says, today's Wi-Fi password can be unlocked by texting a phone, excuse me, by texting a photo of a clean kitchen to mom. The said photograph must contain one box of crackers on the counter by the stove to prevent you reusing any previous photos. Thank you for playing. Love, mom. That's genius. That's greatness. Find out what the kid wants and then make them earn it. So smart. I love how creative she is. As a parent, I believe the only reason we give stuff to our kids is so we can take it away and then make them earn it back. There's nothing wrong with that. Ground your teenager from driving. Take those car keys away. I remember when Zane missed curfew one time. It was the first time. He missed curfew. So next day I sit him down. I'm talking to him about how disappointed I was and blah, 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 you know, all that stuff. And then I said, well... I remember, Chris, I remember, we loved driving. When we turned 16, getting those keys was the most important thing. And so I said, Zane, I'm going to need your, your truck keys. And Zane had them out and tossed to me so fast. He was like, get out. And then he goes, whew, thought you was going to take away my phone. And then Becky said, Zane, it's my turn. I need your phone. He couldn't escape it, right? Oddly enough, it was during these times of having to earn it back that Zach and Zane, they became perfect role model sons. They were so good. The house was so clean. The, the trash got taken out. I didn't even ask. The kitchen got cleaned. The pool got swept. The floor got vacuumed. It was great. Trying to earn something back. So powerful. In fact, Zane, he even laughed at all my dad jokes. I was so funny. I thought I was a comedian, you know. <laughs> the last thing that you want to do is to pick only one discipline method. Change it up. Keep your kids guessing. Keep in mind your job, no, the kid's job. The kid's job is to test you, to push your buttons. Children are professional button pushers, right? And they're going to push our buttons. Don't lose your temper. Don't lose your mind. That's their job. Good kids, even the most rebellious kids, are going to cross the line. That's what kids do. 
And here's the thing. Kids, they really don't care where the line is. So you draw the line wherever you want it drawn. They don't even care. They only want to know that there's a line. Now, they're going to walk up to it, and they're going to dance on it, and they're going to cross it. You know why they're doing that? To see if you're for real. Does mom really care about this, or is she just talking? Does, is dad serious? I'm going to find out. And they're going to cross the line to see if we're dedicated Boundaries. There was an experiment at school one time, and uh, this school had a great playground. You know, mo- most schools have a playground. This one was used all the time. The kids, would, they loved playing in the playground. They'd run, they'd jump, they'd swing, they'd teeter-totter. They did all the things in the playground. Yeah, of course, it had a fence around it, and they would play and play. Well, over the weekend, the city thought it would be a good idea to remove the fence so that the town folk can use the playground as well. And so they removed the fence. And you know what happened? The next day that school was in operation, they noticed the kids weren't running and jumping and playing like they normally do. But they were huddled in the center of the playground. There was no fence anymore. The boundary of protection was gone. Children need boundaries. Zig Ziglar, he said it best when he said, Do you know how children spell love? We know how to spell love. How do children spell it? T-I-M-E. Parents, dig for those treasures. Spend time with your kids. They need it. Carve out some time for training. Give your undivided attention without having to compete with work and technology and other distractions. I remember 23 years ago. Golly. When Zane was born, December the 17th, a lot of y'all remember that, he was three pounds. He stayed in the neonatal ICU, the NICU, he stayed in it for six weeks. That was a tough time. A time that we didn't know if we was going to get to bring him home or not. And Zachary was seven years old and he spent a lot of time at both sets of grandparents because we were at the hospital quite a bit. Becky went every day for six weeks. At the end of that six weeks, I mean, I, I could hold him in this hand. That's how small he was. But after six weeks, he had improved, he had grown, and it was now time that I could take him home. I loaded up my, my family. And I brought him home. We were living in Rowlett at the time. And I remember pulling, pulling in in the front, parking to get my family out, my, my, my brand new newborn. My family was home. I remember. Seven-year-old Zach looks at me. He had tears in his eyes. And he says, 
Daddy, does this mean you're not going to love me anymore? Won't love you? What are you talking about, won't love you? My family's home. He didn't get that. He didn't understand that. He just knew he hadn't been. He hadn't seen mom and dad in six weeks, hardly. Children spell love by time. Time that you spend with them. He's not seven years old anymore. He don't even live at home anymore. Spend time with your kids. They need it. I talked to Becky and I said, we're going to have to, we're going to, have to make some changes. And I said, I'm going to have to spend some time with Zach for a while. And in fact, that's when I got him. And uh, we enrolled him in karate. And I mean, we, we did some things and, and that was good. It's not just the programs, but make time at home. Yeah, go to all the programs and watch them in the band and choir and play the sports. Bring them to church. But make time at home too. Teach them how to change the oil, how to wash their clothes, how to cook. When a kid can accomplish things on their own, they're more likely to make good decisions because they've got more confidence. The last thing I want to share with you is this. I began the morning by talking about love, and that's where I'm going to end. Discipline begins with love. When you discipline your child, please never do it when you're angry, especially if you're spanking them. Be gentle and loving, even in punishment. The lesson is yours. Parents, there is no better time than right now. With every birthday, we get another year to influence our children and to teach them about Christ and His church. Don't waste these moments. For your child to love Christ and to respect the church, it begins with what they see in us as the parent. I thank you for your attention this morning. You know, I've talked about the dangers of not disciplining them, but are you obedient in God's Word? Are you providing that Christian example to your family? Are you influencing your family for Christ? Are your sins washed away with the blood of Christ? You know, if we're not living for Christ, then we are living for the prince of this world, and that's something we just don't want to do. Perhaps you need the prayers of the congregation. If we can help you in any way this morning, please come as we stand and sing.